gentlemen. Appreciate that very much. I am very thankful that I know that I have a God in heaven, and he is there for me 24-7. No matter what's going on in the world, we can trust in him. We're going to be in the book of Isaiah this morning, Isaiah chapter number 7. I know in the past couple of weeks, we've been in Isaiah chapter 8, and Seems like I'm going backwards here, but I believe that God has something for us here in Isaiah chapter number seven. <clears throat> I appreciate the good Sunday school lesson that Brother Andrew brought us this morning, and uh, if you didn't get a chance to catch that, uh, I hope you'll go back and listen to it. Very, very helpful for any of us. De- definitely a good reminder. Uh, of who our God is and what He expects of us. I'm thankful as we listen to Him, He continues to bless our lives. Isaiah chapter number 7. I thought he did a real good job of acting like he wasn't preaching to an empty auditorium too. I thought he did a great, great job of that. And I'm trying, I'm doing my best to not look out here and picture people in their pajamas. So bear with me if I grin every once in a while, don't think anything about it. It's just that wild brain cell that gets loose every once in a while. Isaiah chapter number seven, verse number one. And it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, king of Israel, went up toward Jerusalem to war against it, but could not prevail against it. And it was told the house of David, saying, Syria is confederate with Ephraim. And his heart was moved in the heart of his people as the trees of the wood are moved with the wind. Then said the Lord unto Isaiah, Go forth now and meet Ahaz, thou and Shear Jashub, thy son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool in the highway of the, in, of the fuller's field. And say unto him, Take heed and be quiet, fear not, neither be faint-hearted for the two tails of those smoking firebrands, for the fierce anger of Rezin with Syria and the sons of Ramaliah, because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Ramaliah have taken evil counsel against thee, saying, Let us go up against Judah and vex it. And let us make a breach therein for us, and set a king in the midst of it, even the son of Tabeel. Thus saith the Lord God, it shall not stand, neither shall it come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin. And within threescore and five years shall Ephraim be broken, that it be not a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Ramalia's son. And if you will not believe... Surely ye shall not be established. Moreover, the Lord spake again unto Ahaz, saying, Ask thee for a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will ye weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat, and he may, uh, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that thou abhorrest shall be forsaken of both her kings. If you'll leave your Bible open there, we're going to look at some of these verses as we go through the message this morning. 
which I have entitled, We Have Someone in Whom We Can Trust. Let's pray and we'll get started. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we are thankful, 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 thankful that in times such as these, you have given us technology where we can join together. And certainly, first and foremost, we want to worship you in spirit and in truth. We ask your blessing upon this message, this service, Lord, that you would shine down upon your people uh, around the town, around the cities, wherever they might be this morning, listening to this message. Lord, I pray, dear God, that you'd speak to us very, very clearly. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful that it's alive. We're thankful that it's timeless. And we ask that you would bring it, Lord, and apply it, uh, Lord, to even today, what's going on in our lives if there's someone listening that's never trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, I pray, dear God, that today, today would be their day of salvation. Only you can do that. We're trusting that you'll do what we can. Bless and help us now, Lord. Give us power, please. As we preach, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. <clears throat> We'll not back up this morning, but in chapter number six, Isaiah gives us a glimpse of the pre-incarnate glory of Jesus. Uh, you probably remember back over there, you Bible readers, how the Bible, uh, how, how the uh, uh, cherubims, the seraphims, they fly around the throne, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. We have to remember before he was laid in Bethlehem's manger, Jesus Christ was the Lord of glory. He was and is the one enthroned. He's high, he's lifted up, and he is worshiped by the angels. And that fact is testified uh, to us in the New Testament by the Apostle John in chapter number 12 and verse 41, where the Bible says, These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him, speaking of the Christ. And it was that glory Christ spoke of as he prayed in John 17 in verse 4, where he said, I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee, before the world was. When Isaiah saw the Lord sitting upon his throne, resplendent with divine glory and worshiped by the holy angels, he saw Jesus Christ. He saw the very God of very God. And that makes, that makes this prophecy all the more stunning. Exasperated with the stubbornness and the unbelief of King Ahaz, Isaiah says, Hear ye now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men? But, but, but will you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Of course, that name Emmanuel means God with us, God with us in the form of a baby. And of course, that's what we celebrate each Christmas morning, the coming, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's one of the greatest truths of the Christian faith. And thus we sing that song, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased with man, 
uh, pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Now, it's really very uh, tempting at that point to forget everything else Isaiah records in chapter number 7 and just to focus entirely on verse number 14 that Jesus did come. But there's more here. There's more. The Holy Spirit very apparently considered the historical setting. I mean, this, this very exasperating encounter between Isaiah and Ahaz to be of some importance. And I, I don't think we would be wise to pass over it as if it were not important. So we think about the historical setting. Sixteen years have elapsed between the previous prophecy and this one uh, there in, in, in uh, verse number one. And it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramalia, the king of Israel, went up toward Jerusalem to war against it, but could not prevail against it. So we know that King Uzziah died, and his son, son uh, Jotham ascended to the throne, and that he ruled for 16 years. When Jotham died, Ahaz, his son, became king. And the Holy Spirit sums it up in the reign, uh, sums up the reign and the character of this man, Ahaz, in these words, which are found over in 2 Chronicles chapter 28 and verse number 1. The Bible says Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, but he did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord, like David his father. For he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and made also molten images for Balaam. Moreover, he burnt incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom, and listen, and burnt his children in the fire after the abominations of the heathen. That's the kind of man that this king was. He rejected the legacy of faith that was established by King David. And in his place, he turned to the basest, the very basest forms of idolatry. Uh, apparently, he fancied himself to be something of an artist. Uh, because he made molted images of Balaam. It's talking about the pagan gods of the Canaanites. And to obtain favor of these gods, when things weren't going well for the kingdom, he burnt his own children in the fire, offering, up, offering them up as sacrifices to the pagan idols. Nahaz became the power at the time of an international crisis the, the world, if you will, was at war, and that war came to the Middle East. The Assyrian Empire was growing, and it had, it had begun the conquest of the Middle East. And three, the three most uh, significant nations in that region at the time were Syria, the northern Jewish kingdom of Israel called Ephraim, and the southern Jewish kingdom of Judah. And at this time, Ahaz and Judah were under attack. Rezin, the king of Syria, had led his army against Jerusalem, but he could not overcome it. And Pekah, the king of Israel, led his army against Jerusalem, but he could not overcome it. And finally, word reached Ahaz that these two kings had combined forces. They had, they had formed this uh, confederacy, and they were preparing, preparing to uh, attack Jerusalem for the third time. And their intent was to kill Ahaz and put their own king on the, uh, on the throne of Judah, the son of, of Tobiel, uh, found there in verse number uh, uh, six. Let us go up against Judah and vex it, and let us make a breach therein for us, and set a king in the midst of it, even the son of Tobiel. And thus they intended to gain control of the nation and of all of its armies. 
And so both the king and his people were very terrified. Verse number three there. Then said the Lord unto Isaiah, go forth now to meet Ahaz. Uh, I'm sorry, verse number two. And it was told the house of David, saying, Syria is a confederate with Ephraim. And his heart was moved. And the heart of his people, as the trees of wood, are moved with the wind. So, so they were terrified. If you've ever walked through a forest and heard the constant rustling of the leaves, that, that is what it's like uh, in Judah at the time. What do you mean, preacher? Wherever where you went, you could see and hear and feel the effect of fear. No, I didn't forget where I'm going. I'm letting you think about that for just a minute. Everywhere they went, they could see and hear and feel the effect of fear. This was a crisis facing Ahaz. And he was desperately seeking a solution what could be done? And, and it's really sad. At the top of his list was to for, um, at the top of his list was to forsake his own land and to throw in his lot with the Assyrians. It, it was the only solution he could see uh, to the threat of the Syrian Ephraim Confederacy. <clears throat> the the one solution Ahaz apparently never considered. Get this was to turn to God for help. I've said it thousands of times. There is a God in heaven. He is up there for us. He is all-powerful. He knows what's going on. But Ahaz, he had no interest in the faith of his fathers. No, no, no. He had no confidence in the God of David. Instead, he ran, uh, uh, he ran around the country setting up idols, burning incense, and in time sacrificing his own children as his form of spirituality. So to this faithless, fearful king, God sends a message. God does. A loving, caring, gracious, long-suffering, merciful God. There in verse number three. Then said the Lord unto Isaiah, go forth now and meet Ahaz. Thou and Shear Jashub, thy son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool, the highway of the fuller's field, listen, and say unto him, take heed and be quiet. Fear not, neither be faint-hearted for the two tails of these smoking firebrands, for the fierce anger of resin with Syria and of the son of Ramalia. He sends a message. What was the message? It was this. Come on, stay with me here. Come on, don't go to sleep. Don't go to sleep. No, 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 you're getting too comfortable. Take heed and be quiet. No, it's like this. Pay attention. Listen up. No, God's telling him, I'll do the talking. You do the listening. No, I see a fairly forceful and authoritative delivery here. It's like, listen up, Ahaz. I've got something for you if you'll just take heed. If you'll just listen to me, you don't have to be fearful about this stuff. I am in control. If you'll just take heed to me. 
And then Isaiah delivers words of peace and, and words of hope. He, he, he says, it, he delivers words of peace. Fear not. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Once again, there is a God in heaven. We don't have to be fearful of what's going on. We need to be mindful. We need to be careful. But there's no need to be fearful. We can have that peace that passes understanding when everybody else is running around and they're going crazy and they're buying everything in the store because they're so worried about what's going to happen. We have a God that holds the future. He's here for us. He said, fear not. And then he gives them a message of hope. Neither be faint-hearted. What do you mean, preacher? Well, well, it's like he's saying this. It's not hopeless. Don't be faint-hearted. This isn't hopeless. I'm still in control. I'm still all-powerful. I've still got the answers. No, what he was saying at that time is, I know about the confederacy, and I know about the conspiracy, and I, God, will ensure that neither one will succeed, if you'll just listen to me. I've got this. Rezin is going to have his hands full just trying to hold on to his own nation. And in less than 65 years, Ephraim, the northern kingdom, won't even be on the maps. No, that's what he told them. I've got this. You're worried about this, but I've got it right here. It's not a problem. No, here's what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. Ahaz, don't worry about it. Don't worry about this. I will handle it if you'll allow me to do so. I'll handle this. And then it was at this point that Ahaz hears what, what is the uh, most critical truth of this text there in verse number nine. If you will not believe... Surely ye shall not be established. Now stay with me here. Stay tuned. Jehovah God has offered to save the nation. And to save Ahaz. But there's a condition. Ahaz must believe in God. He must trust in God. In the Hebrew here, there, there's a play on words in this statement. It's kind of similar to that catchy slogan that we've heard, uh, no Jesus, K-N-O-W, no Jesus, no peace. And then no Jesus, N-O, no Jesus, no peace. It's kind of a, no, no. Okay, here's what God's saying in a nutshell. No belief, no relief. You have to believe. You have to trust in me. I am the answer. No, no, it was a staunch warning here. No faith. No future. Now, here, here's the point. Ahaz, look, Ahaz, your idols cannot help you. 
They're deaf and dumb. They have no power. They're not going to help you whatsoever. And, and your, your Assyrian insurance policy, it isn't going to pay off like you think. It's not going to work out. The only hope that you have, Ahaz, is God. And if you don't trust God, your future isn't any brighter than what I have planned for those other nations. It's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Here's where it gets sad. Because very apparently Ahaz looked at the prophet of God, he looked at Isaiah, and he gave him this look that said, are you done? <laughs> are you done preaching to me? <laughs> look, take your religious views and all your ideas about God and go find someone who wants to hear them. Because that person is not me. I've got my own plan. I'll handle this my own way. I don't need all your religious mumbo jumbo. And while the prophet Isaiah is standing there contemplating what he should say next, God tells him to make Ahaz a very stunning offer. It's found there in verse number 11. Verse 11. Ask thee for a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in depth or in height above. We have to remember that back during the Old Testament times, Bible times, God used signs to bolster faith. They didn't have the, they didn't have the complete canon of the scriptures, and so he used signs to, to, to bolster people's faith. And isn't this something, no, you have to think about this. Isn't this something God literally offers Ahaz a blank check? He can ask God to do virtually anything he wants that will prove to him that God is real. Talks about in the depth. Ahaz, you want the earth to open up and swallow your enemies? Ask. Just ask me, and I'll do that. Ahaz, you, you want to plant a seed and watch that tree grow up in an instant? Just ask, and I'll do that. Come on, this is God. He can do what he wants to do. And he talks about the height above. You want me to place a new star in the sky for you, Ahaz? You want me to stop the sun from going down? You just ask, and I'll, I'll do it. Now, how brash is this? Ahaz refuses, I will not ask. <laughs> and no, 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 stay with me here. Ahaz puts his refusal in a nice religious-sounding term. I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. <laughs> Sound real religious, doesn't it? 
You know, the bottom line here is that Ahaz had no intention of believing God, believing in God, had no intention. No, 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 no. Not that he couldn't believe. Stay with me here. He didn't want to believe. Ahaz was smart enough to know that faith in God comes with some strings attached. What do you mean, preacher? Well, you can't believe in God and keep believing in idols. There's only one God, just one. You can't believe in God and get away with living your own way. Well, I'll say that prayer, but I'm not going to change anything. I'm just going to go ahead and live the way I want to. It doesn't work that way. It's not like that. So Ahaz had this thought. Stay with me. Ahaz had this thought. Ahaz figured, look, if I don't believe in God, then I won't have to deal with God. But Isaiah answered him in that. And really, it's a, quite the rebuke. You know, it's one thing to try the patience of just a man, but it's something else to try the patience of God. God offers us up a way, and we want to refuse Him. And pretty much this is what He was told. You won't ask for a sign? Then God will give you a sign of His own choosing. He'll show you. He has a way of doing that. He can prove Himself. I can think of some good things here that could happen. Okay, Ahaz, how about if I open up the ground beneath your feet and drop you right into hell like I did with Dathan and Korah? You think you might believe then? Or how about if I slay all the firstborn of Judah like I did in the, uh, to the Pharaoh in Egypt? Do you think that I... Uh, do, 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 do you think you might be convinced that I'm real then? Or what if I just send down a few lightning bolts and sizzle a few people around you? Do you think that you'd believe me then, Ahaz? And I have to say that none of those things would have been any less than Ahaz deserved right then. That's the way I feel about it. No, 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 no. Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. Sit up on your couch. Stay with me. Ahaz had a chance to ask God to prove himself by any means. And he denied God because he didn't care what God wanted to do. He had his own plan.
And so whatever might have happened, I believe Ahaz would have deserved that. But God didn't talk about what Ahaz deserved. Come on, this is good. This is good. He didn't talk about what Ahaz deserved. No, 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 no. In fact, he talked about a promise. Verse 14, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Our celebration of his birth begins with the miraculous conception. A virgin, a woman who's never known a man would bring a child into the world. And it's nothing less than raw unbelief. Listen to me, please. It's nothing less than raw unbelief that tries to rewrite those words and make them say something less than a virgin. She wasn't just a young maid. She was a virgin. The New Testament clearly communicates the fact that Mary was a virgin and that the child conceived in her womb was placed there by the Holy Spirit of God. And no other woman, of no other woman can it be said that she was a virgin when she bore her son. Of no other man can it be said that his mother was a virgin when she gave birth to him. This prophecy speaks of no one else but Jesus Christ. And it talks about the incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us. God with us to save us. God with us to keep us. If you are lost this morning, Jesus came into this world. He died on Calvary's cross. He rose from the dead that God might be with you and you might be with God for eternity. There was a saving purpose in the coming of Emmanuel. Luke chapter 2 verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. Luke 19, 10, for the Son of Man is to come and to seek and to save that which was lost. And if you are saved, Jesus is with you, with you in life and with you in death. Through every trial, he is there with you. In every loss, he is there with you. We are never, ever alone. There is no place that you can go. There is no danger that you can face. There is no circumstance that you can come into in your life without having the assurance that God is with you. You can go to the very grave itself. You can pass from this life. And because of Jesus, you will pass into an eternal heaven there to be with God and God to be with you forever. God has everything in control. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. We have someone in whom we can trust even with what's going on in these uncertain days. See, what God was saying to Ahaz and to his generation is what God is saying to us and to our generation. What are you talking about, preacher? Neither are our rebellion nor our unbelief can prevent God from offering people the salvation that they need. can prevent God from offering people the salvation that they need. 
even in the face of raw rebellion and unbelief, God still offers people a Savior, Jesus Christ, the virgin-born Son of God. But the very same warning goes out to us as as was delivered to Ahaz, if you will not believe, surely ye shall not be established. I'm thankful that all it takes for salvation to have our sins forgiven, to be born again of the Spirit of God, is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our heart turning to God and our faith and trust and belief in Jesus Christ as our Savior. There is no peace. There is no hope. There is no joy in Emmanuel apart from our faith. God cannot save you apart from faith. God cannot give you the peace and security His presence is meant to give you if you won't believe in Him, if you won't trust in Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But God has already given us, me and you, Emmanuel. Someone we can trust in. Someone we can believe in. Someone we know is going to be there for us through whatever we might face. It's up to to us to believe in Him this morning. For salvation, certainly. If there's someone listening to me that has never trusted Christ as their Savior, I want to encourage you to call or email us or message us or whatever because we would be happy to talk to you about that. But also for security. He's there for us. He's going to see us through all of this, but we have to trust Him. We have to have faith in Him more than we have faith in anything else. We know that He's there for us. For the peace and the hope and the joy in all the circumstances of our life. No faith, no future. No belief, no relief. But we have someone in whom we can trust. And he'll never let us down. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. And although we don't know what tomorrow holds with this COVID-19 that's going around, our God does. And we can trust him to bring us through this. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm thankful that I have the promise 
that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. I'm thankful that the promise has been given and sent. Emmanuel came, the Lord Jesus Christ, God with us, and paid the price by shedding his own blood on the cross of Calvary, by giving up the ghost and dying, laying in the tomb for three days. And then I'm thankful you raised him from the dead, victorious, victorious over sin, victorious over death. Lord, I'm very thankful for the promise that we have that if we'll just put our faith and trust in Christ, that you'll save our soul, forgive us of our sin, uh, that you will make us your child for eternity. We live in fearful times, but we have a mighty God. We're very thankful that we can trust in you no matter what we might face in the days ahead. Help us to believe in such a way it gives us peace that passes understanding. Help us to trust the promises of your word. Help us, dear God. And certainly I pray for those that do not know Christ, that they would get that settled. Lord, that they would simply put their faith and trust in the Savior the Lord Jesus Christ, our only hope of eternity in heaven. Father, I don't know what needs need to be met, but I pray, Lord, as we look to you, even in these next few minutes, that you would give us assurance that you're there and you're not going to forsake us. You've got the answers. We pray and trust you for these things and ask it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask Brother Bronner to softly play for a few minutes. We might turn aside and pray with family there wherever you might be watching. That however God may have spoken to our hearts, that we'd take a minute to acknowledge how great He is and that our faith and trust is in Him as we go through these days of uncertainty that our faith and trust is in Him. And we know that He's going to see us through. Will not take long at all, but take some time and talk to God.
appreciate that very much. Well, thank you so much for joining us the way that you have this morning, and I, I pray that uh, the Word of God has been a, an encouragement to you. Again, if you have any questions about salvation or such, call the church, please, or drop us an email or whatever the case, however you might get in touch with us, and we want to help you with that. Um, I, I want to encourage you uh, to keep healthcare workers in your prayers. Uh, they're out there uh, right in the mix of it, and, uh, and we certainly want all of them to be kept safe. I thank God for them that are willing to put themselves in place like that so they might take care of us. And then remember, and I do believe this, we have a real opportunity for revival in our nation at this time, in our homes and families at a time when we have more time to give to God. Uh, don't take it for granted. Spend that time with him. Ask him to revive your heart, your home, your family, your church, your city, your state, your nation. We have a wonderful God. We'll have service again tonight at 530. Please be in your place for that. Um, don't forsake the Lord just because you can't come to a building. Uh, join with us if you can. We sure look forward uh, to that. Miss seeing you. God bless you all. You're in my prayers. If we can do anything, just call the church, please. We'll see you this evening.